Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans? It's Ian McClair and your host, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Wednesday, November 18th, 2020, and on the podcast, we're going to be opening up the mailbag, as well as taking a look back at some of the Bruins' black and gold sweaters of the past after the announcement of the reverse retro jersey, which will be worn in 2020-2021. For those of you who may be new to the podcast, like I said, my name is Ian. You can find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. That's M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Same handle on Instagram. I have been a Bruins fan since the late 80s. I have written for Color Chowder on SB Nation as well as some other NHL sites there. And was a news editor for The Score for five years, uh, covering all things hockey for the mobile app there. And right now, work in digital marketing by day, record the podcast whenever I can. Right now, it is three times a week, but once training camp resumes and we have a date on when the season will happen, um, it will be back to five days a week. The podcast can be found on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you subscribe, each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be so very much appreciated. I think that's it by way of introduction. And like I mentioned, the Bruins revealed their reverse retro jersey. And for the fifth time in team history, the Bruins are going with a gold look. On Monday, the NHL and Adidas revealed the reverse retro jerseys. Each team will wear one of these at some point during the upcoming season. Boston's jersey is a remix of the home uniform worn at Boston Garden from 1981 to 1995 during the Ray Bork Cam Neely era. That was when I became a lover of this team and Uh, It's the jersey. Actually, I have the away jersey since the home jersey was white at that point. I have a black version of this jersey with Cam Neely stitched on the back, which was given to me for Christmas when I was uh, just a young gaffer. Uh, It features the non-serified spoked bee and the fan favorite bear crest on the shoulder with a gold base instead of the traditional white the fan favorite bear well that's debatable they have Pooh bear and we also have the yellow bear affectionately known as meth bear for me it's meth bear all the way but i know for some Pooh bear is the fan favorite uh so it marks the first time the bruins have worn a gold jersey in nearly 15 years on a you know, alternate basis. Of course, there was another one after that. The last was that infamous Pooh Bear sweater was retired following the 2005-2006 season. And um, it did serve as the alternate jersey for almost a decade, if you can believe it, that they (laughs) went that long. But I thought it would be interesting to take a look back at the different gold-based jerseys that the Bruins have worn over the years. The first ever alternate jersey was gold with 
Bruins written across the front in kind of a cursive writing style with a swoop from the S all the way back to under the B. It was worn from 1940 to 1944. Uh, Bruins legends like Milt Schmidt, Dick Clapper, Goldie Brimsek all donned the jerseys, and the Bruins actually won their third Stanley Cup in 1941 uh, during this era. They also lost in the Stanley Cup final in 1943 during this era. Uh, Hall of Famer Bill Cowley paced the NHL with 64 points during the 1940-41 campaign. Bill Cowley is a player who I talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast as a guy that I wasn't super familiar with, but he has quite a great legacy with the Bruins. So I do suggest looking him up or, and going back to listen to that episode if you missed it. After 1944, it wasn't until 1955 that the Bruins wore another gold base jersey. It featured numbers on the sleeves and stripes that actually uh, grew thinner over time as they continued to amend it. The Bruins didn't really perform well during this period. They missed the playoffs in nine of those 12 seasons, including eight straight years out of the playoffs from 59 to 67. But um, they did appear in two Stanley Cup finals, 1957 and 1958, wearing these jerseys and uh, ultimately lost in the final, also made it to the semifinals in 1959. Among the most notable Bruins to wear this sweater was Willie O'Ree, who debuted the first black player in NHL history on January 18th, 1958, wearing the sweater number 22. And I continue to contend that number 22 should be hung from the rafters. It should be retired as soon as this upcoming season. The final season of the gold jersey coincided with the arrival of Bobby Orr in 1966-1967. The Bruins did not wear a gold jersey from that point on until 1995 with the advent of the infamous Pooh Bear jersey. Uh, It was a gold sweater with the brown bear head across the front. It was worn for 10 seasons, starting with Boston's inaugural campaign at the new Fleet Center, 1995-1996. Ray Bork was there for about five seasons wearing this jersey. Uh, Joe Thornton wore this jersey when he debuted with the team in 1997. Patrice Bergeron also wore the jersey when he debuted with the team in 2003. Those are kind of the most notable Bruins to wear that jersey. It was retired in 2006, for better or worse. And I know a lot of people were clamoring for Pooh Bear to return on this jersey. Personally, again, it's not really my favorite look. I didn't love that particular logo. I didn't love the uh, kind of jagged striping on the sleeves and shoulders. Uh, But I see how it holds a special place in Bruins' hearts. Now, the only time the Bruins wore a gold jersey between uh, 2006 and what will be this coming season is in 2010 when the Bruins wore a gold sweater inspired by the 1940s look at the 2010 Winter Classic at Fenway Park. It was a gold and brown jersey with a rounded spoked B logo, uh, which, you know, seemed cool at the time, but looking back, not 
not awesome. Uh, Marco Sturm, of course, scored the overtime winner in Boston's first ever outdoor game, a 2-1 win over the Philadelphia Flyers at Fenway Park. And now for 2020, the Bruins are turning gold once again. The new reverse retro alternate will be worn several times during the 2020-2021 season. And it's a nod again to that Bruins team that reached two Stanley Cup finals in 1988 and 1990, both of which broke Ian's, a young Ian's little heart back uh, when they lost both of those series. So yeah, I thought it would be fun to look back at that. Before we move on to a mailbag, let's talk for a moment about Built Go. It's an exciting new product from the makers of Built Bar, and it's a energy boost that can help you break through the mental or physical wall that we all tend to hit at some point during the workday. Comes in easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, and it's a five hour energy boost without the same crash feeling. It's also natural and better for your body. Basically, it's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Comes in three delicious flavors like peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Combines energy gel with collagen protein and also loaded with good stuff like beta alanine, B3, honey, and again, that little kick of caffeine. It promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. Literally makes you look as well as feel better. If you visit BuiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order of Built Go. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Now, as we usually do on Wednesdays, opening up the mailbag. And uh, thank you so much to all of you who sent in some questions. The first came unprompted from our Finnish friend, Yuso Kakianainen. Again, I really hope I'm saying that right. He asked, it was reported in Finnish media that the Bruins are interested in Patrick Laine. The exchange would be DeBrusque, first-round pick in 2021, and a top prospect. Would this be a good deal? I asked for uh, a link to the article, and I guess the main source for the article uh, tracked back to uh, Boston Hockey Now, Jimmy Murphy, and Joe Haggerty and company. Now, I'm not saying that automatically discounts this as a legitimate report, but with my time at the score, I was really trained and it was drilled into us that you know you need to really be careful with your sources and to take some with uh, one two or several grains of salt before putting too much stock into it now the idea of Patrick Laine as a Boston Bruin is certainly intriguing I'm not sure if he really fits the black and gold mold as a Two-way forward, uh, that's something that David Pasternak has grown into. He he wasn't that necessarily at line A's age either. Um, the biggest issue I see is that he's a right-hand shot, a right winger. The Bruins do already have Pasternak, Kasha, and Craig Smith on the right side. I don't see any of those guys as a fourth liner, so do we have Pasternak, line A, Kasha, Smith, or do you make this trade and then flip, say, Kasha for a left winger to compensate for the loss of Jake DeBrusque? Again, um, a package of DeBrusque, a first, and a 
top prospect, depending on who that is. It's not outlandish, I don't say. Line A ceiling is certainly much higher than DeBrusque's. Um, first round pick ideally would be a very late first round pick, although that, you know, could very well go south, uh, depending on what the season looks like for the Bruins. Um, so yeah, all that to say, if you have an opportunity to add a player of line A's ilk, you certainly have to look at it. Um, but the cost might be prohibitive as well as, um, dominoes that would fall to make room for him in the lineup. Uh, as I said, he's a, he's a right winger and the Bruins are pretty uh, loaded on the right side. And uh, it's really on the left side, particularly up front and on defense that the Bruins need uh, the most help. But uh, thanks for bringing that to my attention. And it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Brian Baston at Brian Baston asks, will Craig Smith continue his annual 20 goal per season mark or in the case of a shortened season, a 20 goal pace? Brian Baston, of course, is an editor of On the Forecheck, which is a Nashville Predators uh, blog and certainly knows probably more than, about Craig Smith than most of us. But this also coincides with another question that was sent in by C. Garrett Padilla who asks, will Smith or Kasha be with Krejci? That's a great question. And to address the first part, I think it's very possible that Craig Smith can be a 20-goal scorer with the Boston Bruins this season, or at least be on a 20-goal pace, depending on the amount of games uh, he has to work with this season. And so I think... The fact that David Pasternak will be injured to start the season might very well bump him up to play with David Krejci to begin the season, or he could even be on the first line with Bergeron and whoever fills in for Marchand to begin the season. Uh, so he'll have every opportunity to hit the ground running as a member of the Boston Bruins. Having said that, even if he is on the third line with Charlie Coyle, I think he could have great success because the Bruins are blessed to have a very capable third line pivot in Charlie Coyle, who's defensively responsible, who's aggressive on the forecheck, who can create uh, opportunities in the offensive end. And so whether Smith is on the first line or on the third line, I think he'll have ample opportunity to produce for this team. They brought him in for his five on five scoring that's something that was lacking for the Bruins. And I really think that he is able to be a driver for this team offensively. And again, he'll have every opportunity to um, make the most of whatever spot he's placed in, whether he's playing with Bergeron, Krejci or Coyle, I think he'll be able to uh, be at that pace for sure. And I really do think that was a sneaky, underrated um, signing by Don Sweeney that, that could pay off uh, quite heavily, really. A follow-up to that question from at C. Garrett Padilla was also most and least fave retro rewind jerseys. I think I really like the Kings one uh, with the uh, purple and gold, or forum blue as they call it. That one really pops. Uh, I do really like the the Ducks one. I think they took a a pretty bold swing there, and I really enjoy it. 
Uh, least favorite, the Leafs one, I don't really love. Um, Canadians, blue, I don't really love. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Everybody has so many opinions about these. I do quite enjoy the Bruins one, to be honest. Um, don't really love the use of Nordiques and Whalers just for sentimental purposes. Those should be kept sacred. In my mind, the Whalers one looks amazing, but I just can't get behind it for that reason. Next question comes from at Dave underscore NES. Who do you think plays left of Krejci if DeBrusque doesn't sign? And why will it probably be Nick Ritchie? Well, that would be a very poor scenario for the Bruins if Nick Ritchie is their second line left winger. If DeBrusque doesn't sign, you'd think the Bruins would have some sort of contingency plan in place. Um, I'd still love them to to sign a guy like Anthony Duclair. I think he could be a really valuable piece for this team and fill in quite well on the left side of a line with David Krejci. Uh, Mike Hoffman is still out there. If we're talking internally, well, there's not really many options for the Bruins in terms of left-hand shots. Do you give Anders Bjork a look as a second-line left-winger? I think that's kind of swinging above... His capabilities, you have, yeah, it's pretty thin after that. I really don't know what they would do if uh, DeBrusque isn't re-signed. Again, they would have to bring in someone else to give Jacob Lauko a shot. He's only 20, very talented, but still lots to prove. Then you have Richie, Sean Corrali, who can play left, Par Lindholm, Greg McKaig. Very, very thin on the left side for the Bruins after, um, even with, DeBrusque in place. Marchand, DeBrusque, Bjork is okay, but again, I think that's uh, one of the weak spots for this team right now, uh, as well as left side defense, which brings me to uh, one last question, which comes from... Oh, sorry, two more questions. This one comes from Beth at Iverwit. Do you think that if Chara returns for another year, he abdicates the captaincy? No, I don't think that at all. If he is coming back, and I believe he will once it's sorted out kind of what the season will look like. Uh, he will remain the captain for the foreseeable future for however long he's able to play with the Bruins. I don't see him abdicating the captaincy. Obviously, Patrice Bergeron is waiting in the wings as the next captain, and he would be um, a very exceptional captain, really. He would be... Uh, any team would be lucky to have him as a captain, but... Uh, as long as Adeno Chara is with the Bruins, he should don the C, and it's well-earned, and he has worn it as well as anyone could possibly in uh, franchise history. Last question comes from Mike Amato, at Amato underscore Mike, who is a former colleague from The Score and uh, a really great guy. I miss you, Mike. I hope you're doing well. He asks, do you see Rask returning in 2021-2022? Tuka Rask, of course, as long with David Krejci, will be an unrestricted free agent after this coming season. And there's a lot of questions about whether either or both will be back. Um, I, The only scenario in which I see Rask not coming back is if he retires. Um, and that's not out of the realm of possibility. I think... Ultimately, he will be back with the Bruins, but probably on maybe a short-term deal. 
um, two, three years perhaps, and that might be it for him. Um, again, both sides are saying all the right things after he left the bubble in terms of everybody's fine, everybody's on the same page, he'll be welcome back with open arms, it's his crease. Um, but, you know, there could be some underlying feelings there on either side. Um, I don't really see him exploring other options around the NHL unless a team comes in and offers him big money at this point in his career. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see. I think it would be on a team-friendly deal, a short-term deal would keep him as a member of the Boston Bruins. After him and Halak, again, there's a lot of question marks in terms of who will be next. I don't really see Dan Vlader as a, a starting goalie. Jeremy Swayman has lots of potential, but he's at least two, three years away. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, I, for one, am fully on board with bringing Rask and having him as a Bruin for as long as humanly possible. Thanks so much for all those questions. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, if you have any questions throughout the week, send them to at ENC McLaren or at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And we'll be back next week with another mailbag segment on Wednesday. Let's finish off with some news and notes from around the NHL as we do here on Locked on Boston Bruins. Larry Brooks of the New York Post is citing multiple sources claiming the NHL is seeking financial concessions from the players in the form of a 13% deferral on their gross pay for 2020-2021. The Players Association has agreed to a 10% deferral in the recent six-year extension of the CBA, and that's in addition to the 20% in escrow payments for the season being deducted from their salaries. So basically Brooks is saying it's unclear whether this is an ultimatum from the NHL or you know what's going on here, but a lot of these owners are hurting, and if the players agree to this 13% deferral, they'll receive 61.6% of their pay for 2020-2021 with 23% to be returned at later dates. It's a big hit for the players. The owners are certainly hurting as well. And we'll see if this is a sticking point for any return to play plan that the NHL comes up with um, as they try to get back on the ice uh, through the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. In pretty cool news, the Florida Panthers named Brett Peterson as assistant general manager, making him the first black assistant GM in the NHL. 39-year-old played five years as a minor pro defenseman in the AHL, ECHL, and IHL, and he spent the last 11 years as a player agent. It's also been reported that uh, Joel Ward is going to be hired as an assistant for Vegas's AHL team. Uh, so it's really cool to see uh, this progress in hockey and uh, hopefully more and more uh, teams, yeah, start to hire more diverse staffs. There's really no reason for that not to be more of a thing going forward. And you know what? I think that pretty much does it for today's episode. There's not really much else going on out there. A lot of people still talking about the reverse retro jerseys and um, yeah, just hoping for some news about hockey coming back at some point. Um, World Junior camps are beginning the canadians are gathering in alberta i believe to begin their um, selection camps uh, no bruins 
of note for Canada, but of course, uh, Beecher for the Bruins will be in line to be on the American team, which will be pretty cool. Hope you are all doing well, and uh, yeah, just staying uh, positive through this ongoing uncertainty that is 2020. I've been keeping busy by <laughs> continuing my watch of Sons of Anarchy on season five at the moment, and I have a sense of impending doom about it. Um, also started watching The Crown with my wife Lauren, which is uh, which is really great, and uh, yeah, looking forward to getting away next week as part of my upcoming birthday celebration. Um, I also started a cider review account for anyone who's into ciders. You can follow that at ian.cider on Instagram. A couple of reviews up there so far. Be back Friday, hopefully with a friend or fan to speak to uh, with a little interview. And um, yeah, that's about it for today's episode. So please take care. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review the podcast if you have not already. And I will talk to you again on Friday. Go listen to Locked On NHL or check out Locked On Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots for more Boston sports talk. Take care, friends.